0: Welcome to Seder Stories, the official podcast of Holy Cross Athletics.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Seder Stories. My name is Elijah Gonzalez. I'll be hosting this podcast. And today we're going to be talking about voting. And we are joined by two Holy Cross student-athletes. We are joined by Claire Honan from the volleyball team and Kaikea Walensky from the men's swimming and diving team. Uh, first off, guys, thank you for, for joining us uh, and, and being able to, to jump on this podcast. So um, first off, we really appreciate you uh, you all coming on.
2: Glad to be here.
3: Yeah, thank you for having us.
1: So the first thing that I wanna touch on, and I, I know that you know one thing that, that um, is prevalent for you guys especially, um, specifically in this election cycle, what have you guys been working on um, in regards to um, politics and things that, that you guys have been involved in um, during this election cycle. I know it's a year that um, obviously a lot of people are, are going to be voting and um, a big election year obviously can come with more responsibilities and things that you guys are able to uh, to work on. So what have you guys been been doing? And um, I guess whoever wants to start can, can take the floor.
2: All right. So um, during this election, I've been I I was able to uh, work on a congressional campaign for California's 48th district with uh, Michelle Steele. She's running for the Republican ticket against the Democratic incumbent, Harley Rhoda. So, you know, right now, these last few days, they're super important because we're making thousands of phone calls and pretty much canvassing just hundreds of homes just to, you know, make the biggest effort to narrow that gap. So this is probably one of the most one of the tightest congressional races in California. And the reason I know that is because um, the the opponents have actually spent more money than anywhere else in the country. So we've been really kind of just working hard to just get everything up to date and trying to, you know, narrow that gap. But, you know, definitely this has been an amazing experience because I get to see firsthand how the election process works. You know, seeing how important it is to reach out to the voters and seeing what kind of strategies are crucial to run a successful campaign. You know, this is definitely something that um, is really important for a candidate. And, you know, I can't really give out the strategies of what we're doing because I'm pretty much sworn to secrecy. But, you know, it's been really exciting. And just to think how fortunate enough to be right in the middle of the democratic process and being able to speak with the voters and watching the political trends and and doing kind of just, uh, going to all the rallies and, you know, working within our community to find solutions to some of the most important issues are pretty much what politics is all about. And, you know, this is definitely just a great opportunity uh, opportunity for me to just kind of experience this.
3: Uh, yeah, I think uh, Kaike was saying some excellent things about just what it's like to be involved in politics during this particular time. Um, Right now I am living in Worcester, but I've been able to volunteer virtually for um, the Pennsylvania Democratic Party. So that involves phone banking and um, kind of facilitating phone banks for people in Pennsylvania. Um, It's a very important swing state this election. Um, And so a lot of attention is being focused on Pennsylvania in particular. Uh, And so just getting a lot more people involved like through my involvement is really important too, because um, in running like virtual phone banks, you have people signing on to Zoom calls, um, filling them in, teaching them how to phone bank. Sometimes it's their first time ever participating in um, like get out the vote campaigns. And they're 70 years old from Pennsylvania. And it's just like a really cool thing to experience people's like first times um, getting involved in the democratic process together.
1: One thing that I think everyone that goes to holy cross and has been a part of the holy cross community knows is that the experience in the classroom allows you to succeed uh in things outside of the classroom whether that's politics whether that's finance whether whatever uh uh, you know area of expertise that you're trying to go into for you guys and i think you guys can touch on on the experience but um, what has the classroom experience allowed you guys to do um, and allow you guys to succeed in, in everything that, that you guys are doing? Because, you know, at least from, from what you guys have just mentioned, obviously, you're, you're working very hard on, on, on a lot of different projects. How has the classroom experience helped you kind of get to that point as well?
2: So we, for me, political science kind of, it really forces you to think deeper into the political process. And kind of just analyze how our government and how our ide- ideologies are, you know, are formed. And, you know, one of my favorite classes that I was in was with Professor Brand, where we kind of talked about the, the presidential election. And, you know, every day in class, we would actually discuss the primaries and debates that would happen the night before. So we really got an a in-depth look at what we were actually experiencing in real time. And, you know, there was another class that I was in with um, Professor Hyman. It was, I think it was called, like, constitution in society, where we basically kind of analyzed the constitution and applied it to societal issues, such as like the opioid epidemic and um, community policing and redlining and things like that. So um, one of the projects that we did was we had to choose a city and analyze some of the types of societal problems that they face and what kind of systemic laws and um, practices might worsen those effects. So, you know, political science really makes you think about what those issues are and how it impacts society and, you know, definitely how important the political process really is.
3: A class that really um, started my interest in getting involved in campaigns specifically uh, was this Sept- uh, this January, I was able to be a part of Cross's first day term course, uh, which took place in New Hampshire over winter break. And so through that course, we were able to Um, have an internship uh, for for a very short like three week period with a campaign in New Hampshire right before the first presidential primary or the Democratic primary Um, and so that was such a cool experience being able to I met like 10 Democratic candidates um, and just seeing all of the one-on-one interactions that take place during that time Um, this was like pre-COVID restrictions so we were knocking on people's doors we were going to huge rallies Um, and just being very personable with voters, with candidates. um, And it just felt like a very uh, personalized experience, although the entire state was going through it with me. Um, And then currently uh, Kaike and I are actually in the same class uh, focusing on state and local politics. And I think that has been really interesting because uh, we start every class off with a news story that people, Throughout the class, put up, and we just learned so much about what's going on in specific states during these, during elections, during um, just like talking about stuff that happens in state-specific areas. Um, and so, when we're delving into these state-specific or like local area elections and how that impacts the national election, I think it just it makes me want to like learn more about the policies that are in place that will like, shape our country.
1: Going off of what we have, have already discussed, obviously, we've talked about the things that you guys are involved in, the classes that have kind of led you to where you are now and your involvement in politics. When was the first time for each of you that you guys really got, you know, involved in politics? And, and was that prior to coming to Holy Cross? Or did you guys think, hey, this is something that I'm, I'm interested in? Or did you all just kind of, you know, Realize it before that was was this something that that Holy Cross was was able to do or was this even prior to to that uh, and coming to to the College of
2: the Holy Cross. So for me, ever since I was really young, I absolutely loved politics. I just kind of loved the excitement behind it. And, you know, watching some of the biggest elections growing up and some of the biggest historical accomplishments made by the government really kind of just motivated Motivated me to get into a career in politics. Um, I remember I actually dressed up as the president when I was in kindergarten, so I, you know, I've been pretty much prepping since then, but, you know, on a more serious note, um, I think one of the most life-changing things for me that got me into politics was because of my grandmother, so um, a a few years ago she unfortunately passed away, but while we were going through some of her things, we actually found photo albums of her as a young child growing up during World War II, and my grandmother was actually a 3rd generation Japanese American and when she was young her family was forcibly removed from their house and incarcerated into internment camps all just because of the color of her skin. So you know because they were forced to leave their livelihoods and give up their constitutional rights you know I I felt like I had to you know bring a voice to their unheard stories and you know seeing that my family went through discrimination not only from their community but also from their own government you know, it made me think that, you know, it, it's really important to kind of share that story. And, you know, I feel kind of a sense of responsibility to fight for those rights and, you know, give a voice to the people that feel that they're disenfranchised and silenced. And, you know, there's so many systemic injustices that really need to be resolved. And, you know, it was only just a few years ago that the con- the uh, Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional for the internment camps, which is, you know, pretty surprising that it happened you know, 70 years ago and now it's being brought up again. So, you know, it, it just, it, for, for me, it's just it, the, uh, your job pretty much in politics is to listen to the people and, and fight for their rights. And, you know, uh, being able to get involved in politics is pretty much one of the most direct ways you can impact society. And, you know, the, the laws that you, it, uh, you ultimately uh, pass will affect the rest of the country. So having that voice for, you know, advocacy to change things is something that, you know, my grandparents were never able to do. And, you know, going into politics really shapes my goals for the future and trying to remind everyone that, you know, this is what happened in our past and we can't make those same mistakes later on.
3: For me, um, I wasn't as involved in politics when I was growing up. Um, I'm from like a suburb outside of Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. There just wasn't it didn't seem as much to do growing up when it came to politics. Um, in high school though, my junior year, um, my high school offered a like, course, We the People, it was called, um, and it involved um, like a district level, state level, and national level competitions um, where you were taught about the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, Supreme Court cases, and like how all those work together um, and shape what our country is like today. Um, It involved lots of public speaking. I wore like a full suit as a junior in high school. Um, And it just, it really motivated me to learn more about our country. Um, It was a great experience, um, like having to prepare, having to have statements, talking in front of judges that were like very influential in their own fields in political science. Um, And so like after that point, I knew I wanted to major in political science. Um, but then, coming to Holy Cross, um, I was able to take an intro to gender sexuality and women 's studies course um, and so now I have a concentration in that and I think taking courses that have exposed me to a lot of the uh, discrimination, the um, disenfranchisement that Kaikea was talking about um, that's been really a motivator for me to go into politics to Um, bring more women, more people of different backgrounds um, to have just a more diverse government that is more representative of the people that make it up. Um, And so that's been motivating me throughout my time at Holy Cross is because um, Holy Cross has provided these classes um, that are teaching about these topics and uh, I want to put them into use.
4: I
1: think both of you guys mentioned it in pretty similar ways. Uh, Kaikea, you mentioned it in being a voice, and and Claire, you mentioned it, um, you know, in being motivated. So I, I want to go back to just voting and, and the process, and and why do you guys, and Claire, I'll throw you this question first uh, um, for, for you. I mean, why is, is it important for not only people, but especially young people to be involved in the democratic process? You know, we hear phrase all the time you know young people and and voting and how they kind of go hand in hand I guess from from both your sides but I'll I'll throw it to you Claire why is it important do you think for people to be a part of the voting the democratic process?
3: I think that young people have so much energy and so much political force that they can put towards um Campaigns and towards changing the government, but it just like goes untapped every single year. Like young people don't turn out. Like they're not the ones who are showing up at polls at voting booths. Like, and I think that causes a lot of politicians to overlook young people and their issues and issues such as like student don't student loan debt forgiveness and um, just other things that significantly impact um, like Generation Z and like millennial young millennial voters. And so I think when young people are able to, you know, use their voices and use their right to vote, that gives, um, that sends the message that like, we are we are here, we're important to this country. And um, if things are changing, we're the ones that are going to be changing it and that are going to be living through those changes. And so while it's usually not, Um, like college-age students that are really swarming the polls. Um, I think that has created an environment um, where we are not deemed necessary uh, for the political process to continue. And so if we change that, um, we can really, we can throw a wrench in it. We can make the government actually listen to what we have to say. and that can be, that can be a great thing.
2: I mean, ev- everything in politics will ultimately impact you in some sort of way. I mean, even at the local level, whatever vote that you make will, you know, pretty much affect your daily my- life the most. So, you know, understanding who the candidates are, reading what each measure is all about, you know, those are really important. It's, it's you know, it's not just that small little description on the side of the ballot be- that really kind of, you know, Makes what the what the policy is because you know there's so many other things that are you know behind those measures and you know it's all about the people that are backing those measures too that are really important. So doing your research is super important. That's what I kind of want young voters to do. And you know we're the ones that are ultimately in charge of the future. And whoever we elect or whatever measures that we pass, you know we're the ones that will be affected the most for decades.
3: I just I also wanted to say. Like, take a look at, you know, the two men that are running for president right now. You know, they're both in their late 70s. Like, the fact that, you know, they're going to be running this country, but after, you know, however many years, they're not going to be living with the consequences of whatever they do. Um, I think that should prompt a lot of people to get out and vote, because we're going to be impacted the most. We're going to be living through it the longest.
1: And Claire, you just mentioned getting people involved in the democratic process, and I think we've touched on, obviously, a lot of of ways and, and different things that young people and people in general need to do to, to get involved in the, in the democratic process, but what would your guys' advice be for somebody that's maybe a little nervous to, you know, work on a campaign or whatever it is, you know, what I guess would be the advice that you guys would have for somebody that's maybe experiencing some of their first time in the democratic process and you know that can be really range from a lot of different ages Uh, what would just some general advice be to those people?
3: Some general advice that I've been giving uh, has been specifically just to find new ways to educate yourself about what's going on Um, so I've been recommending like podcasts to my friends um, you know reading some unbiased or as unbiased as you can get news sources on certain things And then like, once you become more confident in your own views on policies and about people, um, signing up to be a part of a phone bank or um, going with one of your friends um, onto like a Zoom call where people are talking about these things. I think that is a great way to get started um, because it's it's low stakes. Like you're talking to people on the phone, you're getting to know um, how they feel about certain issues. Um, But it's also helping you to cement your own views because, you know, you're going to be having to persuade people sometimes. But if you're confident in what you believe, I think that can only be beneficial in figuring out how to vote.
2: So with my experience working on the campaign, you know, I, I felt really nervous when I was making phone calls to voters and going door to door because, you know, your job is to make a a solid argument on why an undecided voter should, you know, support the candidate. And there's a lot of pressure in that. And so I've kind of learned that they don't want to hear some kind of, you know, political speech, but they'd rather just have like a normal everyday conversation. So I realized that, you know, when you're talking with voters, you really need to get on their level and kind of understand the issues that they care about. And, you know, if they don't agree with what the candidate is all about, then, you know, see where they're coming from, ask why they feel like they they're going to be negatively impacted. So, you know, my, my advice would be just, you know, stay relaxed and casual and just, you know, carry on just a, like a normal conversation. Cause you know, it, it's that human aspects that just really convinces the voter to listen to you. And, you know, if you're relatable enough and, and friendly enough, then you might just win their vote. And, you know, there's just one other thing that just, I, I can't stress enough for, for younger voters, especially is that compromise is not a bad thing because you know we've just seen so much division in our country and you know i just hope that younger voters can see this and realize that you know reaching across the aisle is a lot better than what we have right now and you know we won't get anything done if we you know continue like this so i think we pretty much need to come together and listen to what the other side has to say and at least be a little more open minded and you know if we want the democrats democratic process to work, we definitely need to open our ears first. And then just to, to kind of wrap
1: up uh, this segment, um, obviously with the pandemic, and this is something that happens continuously, um, even not during a global pandemic, but there's a lot of different ways to vote. And, you know, whether that's in person or by mail, um, you know, as well, what are, are your guys' plans on how, um, you know, you guys are planning on voting. Are you planning on going to the poll? Was it early voting? Was it in, uh, you know, was it by mail? Was, is there, um, are you guys differing in that sort of sense? Or was it, uh, was it both you guys going to the polls, however that, that played out?
2: Okay. All right. So I I definitely kind of, um, I, I, originally I was going to vote by mail, but you know, there was just so many like, you know, delays with the mailing services. And then Plus, we, in California, we just had this huge controversy about ballot harvesting, and you know, and they people were dropping off ballots at like unofficial ballot boxes, because the the laws for um, the third party, the third party people that that deliver the ballots, they're really vague in California. So both Democrats and Republicans are pretty much guilty of this. Um, so you know, I, I feel a lot more confident in voting in person for me.
3: So I am a Wisconsin resident, um, but I'm living in Worcester for the year. And I, so I can't go to the polls um, because I really want my vote to count in Wisconsin. But I was mailed an absentee ballot. Um, I've been voting absentee uh, for a few years now, actually, because I'm usually in Massachusetts when it's time to vote. So I was able to send that back um, a few weeks ago. And um, I don't know if all states do this, but Wisconsin has like a website you can go to where it shows you like if your ballot's been received for mail, that kind of thing. So it has been received um, and I'm very excited because yeah, there's just um, obviously a lot of controversy going on with mail-in voting with absentee ballots. Um, But yeah, I was really excited that um, I was able to send my vote in and that it will be counted. Um, And I would say that, you know even though absentee voting seems like a more of like a insecure option at this time like it still is one of the only ways that you can get your vote to count if you're not currently living in your state or if you just don't feel safe enough to go to the polls right now um, so I would stress that
1: well first off I, I want to thank you both for for coming on the podcast uh, here and, and talking with us um, and, and giving us great insight I think you both really really dove into uh, to what this podcast is about and, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we continue to, to educate people on, on lots of different things. And, um, you know, of course from everyone at Holy Cross, we hope you guys are both staying safe during this time. Obviously, uh, you know, we're hoping to all be back uh, on the Hill soon and, um, you know, continuing to, to, to play sports and, and move forward as well. But um, I want to thank you both um, uh, and, and Claire for coming on uh, the podcast here today. Uh, To talk with us.
3: Thank you so much, and everyone, please go vote.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Go vote. (laughs) Uh, Aaron Honan, Guykaia Walensky will be back right here on the podcast.
0: Run, roll, walk. Massachusetts is getting moving again. And UMass Memorial Healthcare is here to do our part. Push. Pull. We're the region's leader in orthopedics. With more doctors, more expertise, and more locations than anyone else. Stir, kick. Get moving again. With UMass Memorial Healthcare's orthopedics experts. Jig, Jog. Appointments available now. Call 855-UMASS-MD. UMass Memorial Healthcare a proud sponsor
1: of Holy Cross Athletics. Hello, and welcome back to Seder Stories. I am Elijah Gonzalez, and we are happy to be joined by an alumni of Holy Cross in Jamie Loftus-Rhodes. Jamie, we really thank you for taking the time out to talk with us today. Jamie is a 2001 grad, played lacrosse at Holy Cross, but Jamie, we really thank you for uh, taking the time out today to uh, to join the podcast and uh, your first appearance on the podcast, and I think one of the first alumni on the podcast as well, so exciting stuff. So. Great. Well,
5: uh, thanks for having me. Happy to be one of your first on the podcast.
1: So Jamie, I, I want to jump in first with kind of your professional journey um, after graduation. Uh, you're the president of, of Cordis Strategies. Just kind of walk me through um, you know, your journey from post-graduation to, to where you are now.
5: Sure. Um, I'll, I'll try to keep it concise and kind of my profession. You do move around a lot. It's kind of the nature of, of the biz. Um, But I did, uh, I'd say I started my professional career through the Holy Cross D.C. Semester Program. I went down and spent a semester interning for Harbaugh Chris Matthews. Um, After that, I interned at CNN the following summer, um, and then moved to D.C. after graduation in 2001, September 2001. Uh, From there, it was an interesting time to moving (laughs) to D.C. for obvious reasons. Got a job as a press assistant in the House of Representatives. Um, From there, held a couple posts in the House, and then had the opportunity to join the Bush-Cheney 04 campaign uh, as a state comms director in Maine. Um, Came back to DC, worked in the Senate uh, as a press secretary for a senator from Texas, Kay Bailey Hutchison. Um, And then uh, after that, went down to um, a public affairs firm to get some private sector experience. and uh, did a stint while I was there to believe absence, and worked for McCain Palin campaign for a few months uh, doing media relations. Um, after that, I moved up to New York and worked for GE in their corporate comms office up in Fairfield. Um, moved from there to uh, the Port Authority, New York and New Jersey, uh, the bi-state agency under governors Christie and Cuomo at the time. Um, and then, for uh, personal reasons, I. Started my own consulting, which is what I'm doing now, Um, Court of Strategies. I needed some flexibility to move around a bit. Um, And that's what I'm currently doing today.
1: So, Jamie, obviously you mentioned all of the things that that you've been able to do post-graduation. But what what I found most interesting uh, out of all of that was you started with what you did at Holy Cross. And that was something that, through this podcast, we've been able to talk to student-athletes, which you, you had heard previously in this podcast Um, but one thing from my angle that I think was, was so interesting was when you talked about Holy Cross and and just the experience that you were able to have to kind of prepare you for, for your career, how did you think your experience at Holy Cross was allowing you to do that? And our student athletes now have obviously talked a little bit about it, but if you could just touch on that as well.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a number of ways, um, you know, one is, you know, besides the obvious, I was, I was a double major in history and political science. Um, in the DC semester but you know i think a lot of the uh, the time to hill cross you know there's a lot of folks on kind of asking you know why and kind of digging deeper into things um, and in communications and politics you really need to um, kind of understand what moves people what messages are going to move people and why kind of what experience has informed their their perspectives and and why they think and believe certain ways so you know i think that's 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 one way other um, another way is um, for good or for bad uh, there's a lot of there's a heavy workload at Holy Cross and I think we're, we're known and I've been told this after graduation you know for the for a strong work ethic um, and campaign life and um, is can be pretty intense uh, you know there's deadlines that don't move and um, so I think for that reason I remember talking to, to friends at other schools while I was there that were surprised to hear we were in the library on the weekends and things I don't think at the time I may have thought that was a good thing but you know looking back Um, you know, I think that did, did prepare me. Um, And, you know, I think the alumni network throughout my, my career, um, whether I've met people or they've, they've helped open doors or meeting them along the way, you know, I do think the, the, the network has been really strong and and supportive and helpful um, when I've, when I've looked for that.
1: You shared some some information about some campaigns that that you were able to work on through your time um, in the profession. Uh, what are, are, are some of the uh, the some of the work that you did on some of those campaigns in in uh, the communication sense as well?
5: Yeah, I mean, both my roles were in communications. So um, in Bush Cheney, I moved up to to Maine. It was one of the target states that cycle, um, and state communications there, director there. I it was helping kind of helping the national message kind of resonate um, in, 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 with, with voters in that state and issues that matter to them. So kind of um, developing messages that would, that would connect with, with voters there. Talking points, placing op-eds, uh, setting up interviews, and putting on events with you know, surrogates in the state or national surrogates the state would, uh, the national campaign would send there. Um, and the McCain-Palin campaign, um, I was handling media relations, I actually um, just jumped on board late when they were putting together the the comms team to support the uh, the VP pick, um, who hadn't been named at that point. Um, once it was named as Sarah Palin, I think the job uh, quickly changed, and so that a lot of that was was working with um, members of the media who wanted to, you know, get to know Sarah Palin better. And um, you know, it was interesting because, uh, you know, she was not as well known as some of the other. Uh, picks that were considered and you know, going up against Senator Biden, who had a whole um, you know, voting history that reporters and members of the media could turn to, you know, trying to help people get to know Sarah Palin at the time, and, and, um, and her record was, was, um, was part of that process. There's a lot more to that um, experience, which could be a whole other story. I am happy to get into more detail or not, uh, depending on what you want to go over.
1: Well, and you were able to, through all your experience, uh, you know, start your own company in Cordis Strategies. Just tell us a little bit about um, what you do at, at Cordis and kind of, you know, how you guys uh, have moved forward uh, with that company as well.
5: Yeah, um, you know, as I mentioned, I, uh, the Port Authority actually was 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 moving. I got engaged and um, uh, we weren't really sure where we were going to, you know, lay down our roots at the time. Um, so I had the opportunity to do some independent consulting, and that led to me just um, starting my own LLC, my own firm. Um, I Work on public affairs issues, a lot of um, tech issues, um, manufacturing, education. You know, a lot of it's it's you know the same the same um, same type of work, developing message points, helping kind of break down really complex policy issues to help them, um, you know, help people understand what matters to them or their business or their family. Um, help elected officials understand why the policy issue should matter to them and why it matters to their voters. And so trying to get that message out through the media, through, you know, social media strategies, um, you know, it's not just also having a message, but having the right messenger deliver it, somebody who's got the right experience, um, you know, somebody maybe owns a small business. Um, so kind of building those broader coalitions. Uh, and um, so it's, it's more, more, um, Kind of public policy issues, but I have had the opportunity through this to to do some political work. I got to work um, to help with Charlie Baker's election in Massachusetts and his reelection. So um, it's fun to still have the opportunity to, to uh, get get into the politics a little bit.
1: Yeah, and and let's definitely get into that. I, I think um, you know one thing that we have talked about with the student athletes that have been on the show and and people in general is the importance of being involved in the democratic process and the student athletes had brought up having a voice, uh, you know, that, that something that happens uh, in the voting cycle can really affect you, uh, you know, moving forward. Why do you think it's important for young people to engage in the democratic process? And, you know, we even talked a little bit about, um, you know, people who maybe aren't even young or just trying to get involved in the democratic process. Why do you think that that's important?
5: I mean, uh, you know, elections matter. Um, there's an issue that matters to you personally, to your family, to your business. Um, you know, Voting is really your the, how you can make a difference. Um, you know, I think with COVID um, right now, it's really, I think, shown to people that it's not even just you know, voting in the upcoming presidential election at the national level, it's all the way down to the hyper-local level that you know the leaders that we come out to support or, um, you know, even, you know, work for, volunteer for, can really have a direct impact on our daily lives and through COVID, if we can send our kids to school, if we can open our business, you know, if we can go to the movies, things like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's important, it matters. And you know, as I said, voting is, can be the, the first step, it's important. Um, but, you know, getting out and volunteering, um, and, and showing your support in other ways, uh, is, is also important. I remember, Moving up to me on the Bush-Cheney campaigns, being in awe of some of these people who would come out to volunteer, you know, a couple times a week or on the weekends. I mean, they were operating big farms. They had a family of, of a packed house with kids. They're running their own small business, but the issues mattered to them, and they they made that time. Um, and they weren't really, you know, they're not they weren't being paid. They were just volunteers. So, you know, I think it's it's really important. It's something that's not shouldn't be. Um, Shouldn't be taken for granted. I remember actually one of my classes at Holy Cross, a professor making the point that, you know, when you're older, you can participate with your checkbook, um, and when you're younger, you've got the time and the energy, and that's what you can contribute. So um, I think that's, you know, it takes a lot of energy uh, to work on a campaign or volunteer, and if that's what you've got to contribute at that point in your life, it's, uh, it's important.
1: You mentioned that, that time and energy, and, and one thing that has happened uh, recently, not only at the professional level, but at the college level has been uh, athletes that have started to use their voice and use their platform um, in different ways. Uh, I I guess the question I have for you is as a former college athlete, um, what's your take on, on kind of this whole new method of Um, whether it's a professional or college athlete, we've seen obviously so many colleges and and college coaches talk about the discussions that are being had in locker rooms now Mm -hmm. um, with different topics. What's your thoughts on, on the way that that has kind of progressed and continued uh, throughout this time as well?
5: Well, I think if, you know, people have a, a a platform and um, you know, a a way to have their voice heard about an issue that matters deeply to them and and that impacts others, you know, I think it's, Great for people to to use that platform. I think um, it's also important to have two way conversations through those platforms and to be, you know, engaging. So you're not just speaking out, but you're also using it as a way to listen and, and um, share share you know diverse set of views. But um, you know, I think it's it's great that um, young people are getting involved in different ways as college athletes, at Holy Cross, or, or wherever.
1: Well, Jamie, uh, we really thank you for taking the time out to come and join the podcast. And um, you know, we really appreciate uh, the, the time that, that you were able to spend with us today and, and giving us an, an in-depth look into not only your professional career, but also um, some things that, that you've seen uh, as you move forward uh, in, in your professional career. So we really thank you uh, for taking the time out today.
5: Great, well, thanks. And um, enjoy the fall up there uh, in Worcester. Miss it. <laughs>
1: We'll be right back on Sater Stories. Run, roll, walk.
0: Massachusetts is getting moving again. And and UMass Memorial Healthcare is here to do our part. Push, pull. We're the region's leader in orthopedics. With more doctors, more expertise, and and more locations than anyone else. Stir, kick, Get moving again. With UMass Memorial Healthcare's orthopedics experts. Gig-jog. Appointments available now. Call 855 UMass MD. Um, um, UMass Memorial Healthcare, a proud sponsor of Holy Cross Athletics.
1: Hello and welcome back to Seder Stories. My name is Elijah Gonzalez and I am now pleased to be joined by assistant men's basketball coach Joe Kennedy. Joe, we really thank you for taking the time out today uh, to, uh, to talk with us here on Seder Stories.
4: I appreciate it, Elijah. It's great, it's great to be on and, and excited to connect.
1: So uh, the first thing I, I think I, I just want to start with is, is kind of, um, you know, what you've been able to do um, in the political world uh, and, and just some things that you've been involved in, um, you know, going back uh, to, to even just after your playing days, um, what you've been involved in and what you've been able to do uh, in the political realm.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, I, I'll kind of start with, 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 with my own experience as a college student and as a college you know, student athlete, and then we can kind of dive into some more of the stuff that, that we've been focused on the last few months. Um, but I, I played uh, college basketball at Northwestern. When I was there, I was a social policy uh, major, uh, and I had to do an internship as part of my uh, degree. And at the time, I wasn't overly interested in politics. I kind of followed it here and there a little bit. The 2004 uh, election had just taken place uh, while I was there at school, and that was kind of a big, you know, kind of a big moment across college campuses with the Iraq War really kind of uh, going strong and raging on in 2004. Um, so I had started to become a little more interested in politics. That was the first election I voted in when I was in college, was 2004. Uh, I grew up in a household. My dad had C-SPAN on and would watch the, the, the evening news. And, and that was a little bit of a, of a release for him as a college basketball coach. He kind of liked to, to follow politics a little bit on the side. Um, his, his dad, my grandfather had been involved in some, some union politics back in New Jersey and, uh, a long time ago. So there was always a little bit of family interest there. But when I was in college, uh, I, I had to get an internship as part of my, my degree, and that really put me down a path where I had to figure out what I wanted to do one summer. I was fortunate enough to, to get an internship, and then Senator Barack Obama's Senate office in D.C., he was the senator for the state of Illinois, um, our assistant coach at the time, Craig Robinson, uh, who I was very close with on our staff, uh, is, is actually Mrs. Obama's brother. And so... The, 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 the first family, not back then, the first family had been around a little bit, been to some games. He was a state senator, then won the Senate seat in 04. Uh, and so I've been fortunate enough to kind of get this internship in, in 2006. And that really opened up the door for me to, to be involved in and in, in see politics in a unique way. And uh, I'm a huge proponent of internships. I think it's a great thing in college for all students to do. Sometimes you figure out what you don't want to do. But sometimes you can also figure out what you do like or get some doors open for you. And for me, that summer internship opened up a door to, to, to get involved in politics. Uh, I would end up going back to Northwestern, graduating, playing that next season in 2007. And, and then in, in, in April of 2007, actually joined the campaign uh, uh, for, for then uh, Senator Obama and, and ended up moving out to Iowa and, and spent six uh, six, uh, seven months in Iowa for the Iowa caucus. Um, after we we ended up uh, uh, winning the Iowa caucus in, in January 3rd, uh, 2008, I ended up working in a bunch of other states throughout that campaign. I was in Minnesota, Nevada, Ohio, back to Illinois, back to Iowa for the general election. Um, my whole time on the campaign, I was part of our field staff. So we were out in the ground, had an office, working with local voters, Uh, local uh, advocacy groups, constituency groups, and really tried to get, you know, embedded into a community for six, seven months and get to know people. And really, your whole focus when you're on the ground, it's all about voting. And educating people on why voting is so important, trying to convince them that your candidate's the right one, but really focusing on why voting is so key. And when you're on a campaign, your goal is to get as many uh, eligible voters as humanly possible to vote and participate. So that's what I was doing, kind of seven days a week uh, on that campaign uh, in 2008. After that campaign, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to to work on the 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 transition team, and then ultimately in the White House uh, in the Office of Public Engagement. And I spent two years uh, working in the Obama White House in the Office of Public Engagement, and there are. Our, our goal was to engage kind of non-elected officials. So we were the office that uh, folks came to if they were, again, kind of a constituency group or an advocacy group, an association. Uh, and they would really come through our office to talk about policy and talk about different issues that were really important to their association and to their groups or to, 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 to individuals that, that certainly were passionate about issues. So that gave me a whole nother experience being on that side of the political spectrum and of government and, and seeing the inner workings of government and, and kind of working on, 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 on providing people the ability to, to, to express their policy views. And uh, it was an amazing two-year experience for, for me to, to have that opportunity to serve. Uh, so I was fortunate over a course of about a four-year period. Uh, I was able to intern in the, in the Senate, uh, work on a campaign, get out in the field, work in the Iowa caucuses, uh, and ultimately, uh, participate and in, in, and fortunate enough to serve in the in the White House for two years.
1: You mentioned all of that experience, and also while doing all that, still being involved in basketball. And now, uh, of course, as an assistant uh, coach here at Holy Cross, what was that transition like, going from those political experiences to? Coming back to coaching, and I think you know we've talked about it, and, and it's been something that's been very prevalent in the news, uh, with you know athletes standing up for their for their beliefs and things like that, and, and that you know these guys have used their voice and their platform, and pretty much all over, um, every sports organization has has really started to do that. So, what was that transition like to not only go from that to back to coaching um, uh, at Holy Cross?
4: Uh, you know, for for me, I, one of the great uh, things I was able to do in my four years in politics was kind of keep a foot in the sports world. Uh, I was able to, at the White House, my main job was to handle all of our sports outreach from youth all the way up into professional sports. So that was uh, working on Mrs. Obama's Let's Move initiative uh, to tackle childhood obesity. You know, did a ton of work on launching that and, and creating that Uh, a program, which really was, you know, the physical education part of that. I handled all the championship visits that we had from professional sports teams and NCAA championship teams. And we added as part of that uh, championship visit, uh, community service, which had never been done before. So now it became kind of a whole day event. It just wasn't a 20 minute photo op. And we had service events in the DC area that uh, we added to it. So even though I was in that political world, Athletics, basketball were, were still an important part of my job. Um, I, I was fortunate and and, and, and uh, got really close with Reggie Love, who was President Obama's kind of personal aide who had played basketball at Duke. Uh, and so I was able to get into some of the basketball games that the president had and, and, and some of the senior staff. And there was a kind of a constant uh, a theme there with sports and athletics around the Obamas. And... You saw a lot of athletes. I think starting to then in 07, 08, 09, 2010, want to be more involved in politics, in government, just not be quote unquote an athlete. I think you saw a lot of that. More of the more athletes across the spectrum, different sports, really wanted to be involved, not just be a photo op, but get involved in 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 uh, different issues. You know, back then we had a lot of about childhood obesity and physical activity and, and, and health, being healthier and themes around that, that, that a lot of athletes got involved with service, just giving back to the community. So I saw that kind of firsthand in, back then in 2008, 2009 uh, on the campaign and in the White House. As I made the transition out of co- uh, uh, politics and back into coaching. I knew uh, basketball had always been in my blood. I love the game. I love the coach. I love the work with young people. Uh, and it was, a, it was an easy transition back because of that passion for basketball. But I learned and took a lot from my four years in politics. I think I've noticed since 2010 when I started coaching how more and more athletes in the last 10 years feel very empowered to share their, their views and, their, and use their voice I think social media has done, a, you know, been a, been a big change for that. Um, and, and I think it's empowered a lot of athletes across the, all different sports to really feel uh, that their voice is, is, is important, that they, can sh- they should share their views. Um, you're seeing that, I, I think, from coaches, from uh, athletes, from organizations. And it's just been uh, the last few months we've seen an unbelievable surge I think in, in the sports world, deciding um, it, it's it's the right thing for them to do to, to to talk about some of these issues and really get involved in our democracy. It's not okay for sports to kind of be a separate uh, a world and, and and there be no kind of interaction with 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 civic engagement, with politics, with voting, uh, and things like that.
1: We talk about having a voice, and I feel like that's something that's really discussed in politics. And um, you know, one thing that is new for not only young people and young student athletes that, you know, you work with on on a day-to-day basis, but, you know, people in general that might even be a little bit older is getting involved in that democratic process and, and just touch on how important that is and why it's important for everyone to be involved in the democratic process. Cause I think, you know, that's something that, you know, when people cast a vote, um, you know, things of that nature, you know, the democratic process is something that can affect your, your day-to-day life, uh, you know, pretty much every day.
4: It's a great question. You know, I, I'll start with this. You know, we, you know, Coach Nelson did a great job with our team about bringing us together uh, right after we all saw the, 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 the extremely painful video of uh, George Floyd uh, and his, his murder being, Recorded and shared across the world, and we're all at home in COVID, trying to comprehend what we're seeing. And we had some really, you know, powerful discussions as a team. Uh, what right when that happened, and Coach Nelson led those discussions with our guys. And one of the things that kept kind of jumping out of the the the, the those conversations was voting, and the importance of getting involved, of utilizing your voice, and But that was voting was kind of the one thing that continued to come up that, hey, that's one way we can do it. We can do it safely. Um, It's it's something that's so important to our democracy that we participate, we vote. And for me, I was sitting there hearing these young men that are 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, that have never voted, um, that are moved by what they're seeing uh, across the country and seeing the marches. And, and that was something that was resonating with them. And so when I heard that, it really kind of got me motivated to say, I need to, to jump back into this world and see if I can bring the last 10 years of, of coaching and basketball and combine them with the, with the four years in, in, in politics. And as I dove back into this, it really, for me, started to resonate that young people need to understand why voting is important that there are, like you said, there's so many impacts in your life that you don't necessarily realize about uh, uh, your local community, your city, your town, your mayor, the, uh, the, the sheriff, the attorney general for your state. There, there's so many different ways that your vote at the local level can have a real impact on your life, just not at the, at, you know, people think about at the presidential level, but how at the local level, there's all these different ways that, that you're going to be touched by the government and how it works and how it operates effectively or ineffectively in your community. And as a citizen, you've got to engage and push that process. And one of the ways that, that, that are really critical to do that is voting. Um, and so I think that was something that, that for our guys, when I heard that it was great to jump back into this. It allowed me to really look back at some of the recent voting statistics and some of the areas of which as a country, we've got to get better at in terms of civic engagement. And you see that young people really are a demographic that can do better uh, in terms of voting, in terms of civic engagement. And all the data shows that when that happens uh, and young people get involved, they're gonna stay involved for the rest of their lives. They're much more likely to engage in their community when they're 40, 50, 60 years old. They're gonna be a constant voter, a consistent voter. uh, And that's only a positive. And if we can set those habits in motion when they're in college, I think as educators, we've done a really positive thing with our young people.
1: And you talked about, you know, being involved with, with basketball and politics and kind of meshing, uh, you know, those two together. Tell me a little bit about the, the Vote No Play initiative. Um, and I know you've been um, involved in that as well and, and what that um, entails and, and things that have gone on with that. Definitely, well.
4: definitely. This was something that was really exciting that, that started to bubble up within college sports in particular this summer. Uh, there's a terrific guy who's an assistant coach down at Georgia Tech, Eric Reveno, and he really got the ball rolling on social media with this idea of, of all vote, no play, around of really highlighting Election Day and civic engagement as an important day from the process. And that student-athletes, we should really shine a light on this and, and allow them the opportunity to, to, to get involved, but just not that, educate them, engage them, push them on the, this idea of, of voting and civic engagement. Throughout their kind of time on your campus, so it's not just this one-off thing that happens every four years, but civic engagement is kind of a life skill we coach as coaches uh, year in and year out. And so this summer, I connected with 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 Coach Rev right when he kind of got the idea going, and 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 you know he had the same thought that looking at at these numbers, you know, young voters, voters between you know 18 and 24, you know, vote at a much lower percentage as a voting block compared to all these other kind of voting blocks across the spectrum. Uh, You know, in in historically speaking, in presidential races, you're talking maybe 39% of eligible young voters actually go out and participate and vote. You know, across the country, you know, voter engagement's an issue we've got to get better at for everybody. I mean, in 2016, we had 100 million eligible voters who did not participate and vote, that were eligible to vote but did not register. Or, or get involved, and if young people is a voting block where we can really try to move that needle, we thought this summer was a time to to really shine a light on it. And so, Coach Rev and I, uh, uh, working together with some other coaches that were really passionate about this across the country, we we, we approached our uh, uh, our coaches association, the NABC National Association of Basketball Coaches, and created a partnership with uh, All In Democracy Challenge, which is a nonpartisan. A nonprofit that really focuses on voting and civic engagement on college campuses that 's their entire focus they 've got a partnership with about seven hundred and fifty campuses across the nation, and we came up with with a whole program and a whole system to engage coaches. Uh, we ended up having over uh, eleven hundred coaches take a pledge that they would uh, register their teams and, and help provide them information when it comes to voting in local elections and, and getting involved in the process. Uh, we've trained over 130 coaches as part of our volunteer task force across the country, coaches from Division I, Two, II, Three, NAIA Junior College that have went through an hour and a half training about all these different key elements of the voting process. And we also worked really uh, uh, closely with the Division I SAC, which is the Student Athlete Advisory Committee that has a role within the NCAA, has a committee some unbelievable leaders on that committee, student athletes from across the country. And those student athletes uh, ended up proposing legislation that went through the NCAA kind of rulemaking process, um, which is a, about as, a, you know, it's, a, it's like watching Congress try to make a law. It's a pretty confusing process, uh, not always the, the prettiest thing. Um, but this was a topic that when it kind of came up through that Division One SAC leadership and got to the folks at the NCAA and got to a lot of the leaders across the country, uh, they were really supportive of it. And we ended up passing uh, some uh, legislation here in, in September where Election Day, uh, this year, November 3rd, will be a, a, an off day for student athletes at all levels. And every year, Election Day will be an off day and an opportunity to really shine a light on voting, on civic engagement. And our hope is that coaches and administrators will use this as kind of an annual way to talk about civic engagement, getting involved in the community. And if this is something that happens every fall across the country, we think it's a really good thing uh, for our student athletes. And, you
1: know, of course that is something that we just continue to talk about and young people continuing to get involved in, in voting. And I know, you know, at Holy Cross, we, we had a couple of, of your, uh, student athletes that, that talked about being first-time voters and and you know having that opportunity now uh, to to register to vote and and voice their opinion. I, I just also want to to ask you about some people that might be nervous about volunteering, maybe on a campaign or or just even getting involved in, in politics. And what kind of advice you would give for someone that wants to voice their opinion and they definitely want to be involved, but. Maybe they're just a little bit nervous. This is their first time. What What's what's kind of some advice you would give to, to someone, you know, young person or whoever it is, uh, getting involved for, for the first time in that manner?
4: Well, um, yeah, I'd say first, uh, this year in the age of COVID, uh, do it safely, right? Be smart, wear a mask. There's some different ways to engage using social media and technology. Um, in, in a non-COVID uh, time period, what I would say is, you know, First, voting is so important and sharing your voice and doing that. Everyone that does that is, is, is taking an important step to be involved in our democracy. So that's, that's first and foremost. I think people who want to get a little more involved, you know, on, on election day, there's opportunities to drive people to the polls, to be a poll watcher, to help provide um, uh, water and food to people who have got to wait in line for hours just to cast their vote. Uh, And again, in a normal election, kind of in a non-COVID year, there's some great ways to get involved on election day in your community. Um, Certainly on your campus, there's ways to really try to get out the vote and push in a positive way other students to participate. I think anybody who's got a desire or an interest to maybe do a little more than that when they're in college or right out of college, uh, I would strongly support, no matter where you are in the political spectrum, uh, it doesn't matter your party or what your interest is. If, if you've got a, a little bit of an interest or a desire to kind of see what politics is really like, there's nothing better than getting on a campaign. It doesn't matter if you're getting on the campaign for sheriff or president of the United States. It is an unbelievable opportunity to learn, to engage with people in, in their neighborhoods and in their communities, and really find out what's important to people. You know, when you knock on someone's door and you ask them to vote for your candidate there is nothing more kind of personal or powerful to have that conversation you're asking for someone to really uh, express it in, in a deep way what they believe in and you can learn a lot about people in a community and and what really moves voters and 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 what's important to families when you have those conversations um, and in today's day and age when so many things are about social media and it's you know it's technology you're not engaging people old-fashioned politics is still a way where you got to engage face-to-face you got to have real honest conversations with people and it's it's a great way to learn and grow and I would just say the last thing about campaigns which is special it's like being on a team it's like being on a sports team you're competing right You, you don't have 20 games you got one Super Bowl you got your election that you're trying to win and during that journey, you're going to develop unbelievable friendships and relationships with people because you're kind of, you're going to battle to try to win that election. And some of the closest friends in my life, and I know people I will be close with for a long, long time, were folks that I went through that election with. And we have an experience together that no one can ever take away.
1: You know, I think moving back a little bit into voting, you know, one thing that a lot of people, especially people that are are new to voting, are are hearing about right now is is early voting. And I think the main question that people might have is, you know, what the benefit of early voting might be. And and also, you know, what that kind of means in a sense as well, because I, you know, I know that some people, you know, obviously, we know about election day, and we, you know, we talk about how important that is. But Obviously, early voting, especially during the times of COVID, has become something that's been um, discussed a lot. I think.
4: Yeah, it's true. It's it's really uh, it's become a uh, uh, an important topic, like you said, in the time of COVID, uh, even more so. Um, uh, in past elections, it's something that, that, that that's that's been key. But I think this year, it's really critical. You know, early voting does a couple things. You know, first, in the time of COVID, it allows you to, to, to get to, to make sure your vote is it is, is completed it's secure it happens before election day God forbid something happens that you can't control and you can't vote on November 3rd so uh, it's a way to it's a way to really make sure your vote happens before we ever get to that to that uh, November third date God forbid you can't make it Some people it depends on their job or their work you know it's just really hard to go on election day and vote if you've got certain uh, work obligations on that day so then okay let's take advantage of one of these early vote opportunities states and 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 local governments will a lot of times set these up where you'll have multiple days in october where you can go and actually cast a ballot it looks and feels just like november 3rd you just happen to go maybe a week or two earlier my wife and i we took our son we ended up deciding to early vote uh, last sunday um, because it ended up just working a little better with our schedules and it, it was obvious, you know, safe and secure, and we felt great about it. You know, I, I saw in the news today, we've got almost 51 million people across the country have already voted early, which is by far the, the, the highest numbers we've ever seen. Uh, you know, other states, especially in the time of COVID, have really tried to expand their vote-by-mail operation to allow people the safety to, to really vote from home uh, and, and get those ballots in the mail and then be able to turn them around Uh, uh, in a safe and secure way and 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 mail those back to to the local board of elections you know so i I think early voting is it's a great way to to bank that vote make sure it happens that way you don't have to worry about election day in in any year even after covid Uh, but it also gives people the opportunity that on election day you can really go out volunteer get involved be a poll watcher drive people to the polls uh, help get out the vote on your college campus. If you're, if you're motivated to help a campaign, it allows you on election day to really get out there and help a campaign. So there's definitely some real value, I think, to early voting and, and vote by mail. And a lot of states have done great work to make that an easier process. And I'm, look, I'm all about the more people that vote and get involved in our democracy, the better. Uh, outside of policy or politics, which side of the aisle you're on, everyone in America, I feel should support the idea of more people voting. It's only a good thing for our country, for people to feel invested in their democracy, to feel invested in their community and, and, and care and not have this, these layers of apathy that keep people away from getting involved. We want people to be involved and, and get engaged. Um, and, and obviously the past uh, few months, I've been, been really passionate about trying to get young people engaged. Because again, all the data shows that they develop those habits now uh, for the rest of their lives, they're likely to be consistent voters and to be people that are consistent leaders in their community. And we know one thing about our student athletes, especially at a place like Holy Cross, they're leaders. These are people that are going to be young men and women that are going to lead in their profession the rest of their lives, just like all of our graduates have done unbelievable things. We got that next generation, uh, and I just hope many of them, you know, uh, uh, keep keep the idea of civic engagement as part of that leadership and and part of their. Uh, a lives way past of uh, being at uh, Holy Cross,
1: and you mentioned you know the work that that you've tried to do in getting young people engaged, and also it's been really a lot of people and athletes, especially, using their platform to voice opinions and, and to to be able to um, you know use their platform in that way to 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 encourage voting. Obviously, the NBA has been beneficial in that with a couple of different things that they've done. Um, including, you know, using their sites as possible voting locations as well. But I, I just want to get your thoughts on why it's so important that not only athletes and coaches, but really, you know, use their platform, uh, you know, to voice their opinion and why that's so important. Because I think there's obviously a lot of people, you know, differ on policy. And, and you know, there's so many things that, um, so many policies that, that people have opinions on. But, you know, one area has been, athletes and coaches that have voiced their opinion. Why is that so important uh, for, for them to be able to do that?
4: You know, I, I think athletes and coaches feel more a sense of, of obligation to lead on some of these issues than was there. Even when I started coaching 10 years ago, you might've felt a little uneasy about stepping into this idea of voting and elections and engagement. Um, I think that's changed. And like you said, I think social media and the, and the different platforms to share your voice, um, has given coaches uh, an ability to do that, that is unique. Um, it's not just a, a press conference after a game where, where you're going to have an opportunity to share what you might be on your mind. You can do it at any moment of the day with social media. Um, we've seen, obviously, some coaches and some athletes really, really decide to, to, to utilize that, you know, that platform. I, I think, if again, if your goal is to uh, get as many people to engage in this process as possible, and to really you know push the idea of registering to vote, push the idea to get educated on the issues, get educated on your local ballot, and then to go vote, social media is a great way to get that message out there I, I you know talking even to our guys and again some of these I we've had a lot of really good conversations as a team that that coach Nelson has led uh, with, with with our whole group you know they're getting a lot of their information through social media and through different apps and through, through different ways and these different platforms. It's not the traditional you know, way in the past of getting it just from the newspaper, getting it from, from news on TV. Their phone is how they're going to get the majority of that information. And I, I, I strongly believe, you know, the athletes and the coaches and other, other high profile people who've been able to use their platforms and their millions of followers to get that message out there is a real positive. Uh, like I said, people can certainly use social media and different platforms to debate issues and, and get into that type of policy uh, talk. But I, I really feel, um, you know, there's been a, a constant theme which is, you know, you know, whatever your views are, register, participate, and vote. If you want to see change, you want to see things different in your community, wherever that is, you want to see progress made, however you view progress, you got to vote. You can't sit on the sidelines and critique and critique and critique and yet not engage in the process and not have some skin in the game. And, and I think we've seen a lot, of, a lot of coaches and a lot of athletes use that platform to, to, to get that message out there uh, about registering, about voting, and about participating. Um, and no doubt that social media platform really does target our young people uh, better than me talking to them better than than having having uh, having some op ed in a newspaper uh, it 's really been a powerful thing to see social media and we 'll see when this election's over with where the numbers are in terms of who participates where are we nationally where are we at a, a state level and at a local level and did more people participate i think we'll if the answer is yes, obviously the springtime has been has been definitely a, a period of of, of real uproar across the country that led to it, but I also think you're going to see this election people really pointing to social media and different platforms as a way to engage. That's different than when I was involved in 2008 and even in elections uh, since then.
1: Well, Coach Kennedy, we really thank you for taking the time out to talk with us and giving us all all this wonderful insight and and um, you know sharing all of this with us uh, um, here today. So uh, we just want to say thank you. And uh, also, you know, we're hoping to see your team on the court here very soon. Um, You know, hopefully we can get uh, sports back at Holy Cross as soon as we can, but uh, in the meantime, make sure you stay safe. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us today.
4: Well, thank you guys so much for, for setting this up. You know, I I will, I want to say this too. We've had great leadership on this topic at Holy Cross our athletic director, Marcus Blossom, Coach Nelson leading our team. I know so many coaches across the athletic department have really been engaging their teams, but I'm also involved on efforts on campus. And you've got other key administrators and professors. I'm really, really proud of how Holy Cross has taken the idea of voting and civic engagement and really, really, really shined a light on it and tackled that issue. And, and, and that's something that really makes me proud. And I'll tell you one thing, our guys are working hard. They're dying to get out on the court. We all hope to get out there soon, and, and we can't wait to play and, and, and really get a chance to represent the Holy Cross. Our, our guys have really been working hard, and they're, and they're a great bunch.
1: Absolutely, and we look forward, obviously, to, uh, to seeing you guys back out on the court. Thanks again, Coach. Thank you, guys. We want to thank all of you who took the time to listen to this episode of Seder Stories. And for our entire crew, I'm Elijah Gonzalez signing off. We'll catch you next time on Seder Stories.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Seder Stories. Stay in the loop on all things Holy Cross Athletics at GoHolyCross.com and at GoHolyCross on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go Cross Go!